And we're back. What is up, everybody? Welcome to University of Adversity. This is your first time. Welcome to the family. If you're a regular and you're back, welcome back. I'm so grateful for you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time and choosing this podcast as one of the thousands, the tens of thousands that you could choose from, and you're choosing to pick mine. I truly appreciate you, and I hope that I can deliver value every single day for you that you continue to come back. If you haven't already, please share this with a friend. Tell people about it. This this thing like it needs to grow, and I need you guys to help me. I truly, truly uh, want to get this into as many people's lives as possible. So. I'm not gonna ask you to go subscribe and review because I know it's a pain in the ass sometimes, but share this with a friend, text a friend, email a friend, do whatever you can to spread the love, right? And that will bring more of this love and this light into people's lives. Today, I got to connect with an old hockey buddy of mine. His name is David Jones. We played junior hockey together out of Coquitlam Express of the BCHL, British Columbia Hockey League in junior. Back in, I think, early 2000s, 2002, 2003, I believe. And he went on to play nine seasons in the NHL. He started off with the Colorado Avalanche with some of the greatest players ever lived, such as Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg. Anybody that grew up in that era knows what I'm talking about. And then he went on to Calgary and then Minnesota. Some really great hockey teams, and he's got some awesome stories. What I really love about this guy is he's just been so humble since we, since we were young. He was always one of the best guys on the team one of the toughest dudes on the team and just the most humble quiet guy and after this many years after playing in the nhl sometimes people can get an ego or big head and he's never changed and it's just it's so amazing to connect with him again i even tried to get him to come out and play our men's beer league hockey but i can see why he uh wants to uh take a rest <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure to dive into this conversation guys with david jones and uh, we peel back the curtain a little bit of what NHL life is like, some of the ups, some of the downs, and what he's up to now. So I hope you guys enjoy this show. I know I did recording it. David Jones, everybody, coming right up. Jonesy, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, man. Good to be here. <laughs> so good to connect with you again, man. It's been a while. Um, as I explained in the intro, you know, we, we go way back. We, we played together back in the day, and um, it was really awesome watching your progress, you know, into the NHL and just how you, you know, conducted yourself and just how you grew, bro. And it was super inspiring. So I'm really, really happy to have you here and to dive into your story, man. Yeah, sounds good. No, thanks for having me. It has been a, has been a long time, but uh, seeing you brings back some fond memories. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's funny, you know, you, um, when you meet people in sports in hockey. I don't really know a lot about the other sports because I can only speak for hockey, but you, you kind of get this bond that you, you spend so much time together and it's something that kind of lasts forever. And whenever you see that person or you come in contact, it's kind of like time hasn't gone by, you know? Yeah. You nailed it. I think I'm terrible at keeping in touch with everyone, but it's like anybody that I've spent one season with, you kind of, you run into each other and it's like nothing changes. You can go, you know, sit down, have a coffee or a beer and just like rehash the old times. Yeah, it's crazy. It's some of the stories and uh, yeah, man. Well, for all, for everybody that doesn't know who you are, man, I would love for you to kind of peel back the curtain and just kind of give us a background about you, man. Kind of how you got to where you are today, bro. And super, super excited to dive into your story. Yeah, well, I was born in Ontario. I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I grew up in basically North Vancouver. I come from a family with like, two sisters, and basically 
from, I don't know, three or four years old, we were, it was sort of a hockey and sports mentality for me. I loved, uh, I loved everything. I loved every sport, but I think by about the age of uh, 13, 14, it got a little bit more serious with hockey and just really enjoyed it. I was super street hockey all day with the neighborhood kids. And that's sort of where my journey took me and ended up playing uh, junior hockey with yourself uh, in Coquitlam in their first inaugural year of uh, the junior A team and played there for three years. And then I left to go to uh, university in the States at Dartmouth College and was there for three years and then ended up signing a pro, pro contract and leaving uh, leaving a year up early and fortunately started in the minors and, and kind of things worked out and I got a chance and, and made it happen. And uh, yeah, there was no looking back. And now I, I was played about nine, nine seasons and went to camp for my 10th year and my mentality changed a little bit and ended up calling it a day in 2016. And uh, yeah, now I have three kids that uh, are kind of taking my energy right now. And uh, it's amazing. I don't know. I think um, I turned the page right at the right time. And uh, yeah, so now I'm back in North Vancouver and my wife and I are raising our kids and we're building a house right now and kind of solidifying our roots uh, back in, in the city that we love so much. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And you're so modest, man. You've always been so modest. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I got the chance, you know? Yeah, bro, it's, it's, really, it's really awesome because, first of all, you got to come into the NHL with a pretty amazing team, right? You got to come in with guys like Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg. And, man, I, I would love to kind of hear about what that was like as far as when you start a career, you look up to these people, right? Or whatever you, and these mentors and these leaders, how was that as come stepping in and having those kind of guys as your leaders? And how did that set you up for the next eight, nine years of your career? Well, I, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was intimidating. I was crazy. Like Joe Sackett growing up in Vancouver, he's like, you know, he's the guy they call him Bernie yeah. Joe. Like he's got a street named after him, you know, 10 minutes from my house. So, you know, I got a chance to go to the camp and, and they literally stuck me beside him in the locker room. I just kind of wanted to get all my stuff signed. Like I got, I was <laughs> my buddies back home. I was like, can I get a stick for this guy and this guy? And uh, yeah, I just felt like it was, it felt like I was at fantasy camp, honestly. And then, you know, you get out there, you get playing a little bit and, and you kind of find you fit in and yeah, it, it sort of, it happened so fast, but it, you're right though. That team was incredible. I mean, we had, I think we had like three or four hall of famers on that team, but I didn't know any differently. So I thought, Oh yeah, every team's got these guys, but like looking back, we had a bunch of studs and it was great to learn from those guys. And I think, you know, I think it taught me a lot going forward and, and helped me like to have you know, a relatively long career. Yeah. Like what are some of the, what are some of the things though from, okay, obviously us growing up, it was a different era than now. What are some of the things, though, leadership-wise, tangible things that you pulled out of people like Joe Sackett and Forsberg? Like, what are some of the things that they did that solidified, like, wow, this is a real leader. I can see why these guys are at the level. And if anybody doesn't know Joe Sackick or anybody that's kind of new to hockey, he, they're some of the greatest of all time, right? Like, he's one of the best to ever play the game. And it was his leadership that I really admired, right? From an outsider, I never get to play with him. But that quiet confidence he had, you know, what are some of the things that stuck out to you that that was really like, wow, this guy is the real deal? Yeah, well, I think, both, well, and you talk about Sakic and Fors, they're both very different people. But I think in their case, both those guys, I mean, obviously have a tremendous resume. And when they walked in the room, it just, you just listened to what they said. It wasn't, neither of them were raw, yeah. raw, sort of, let's fire up the guys. It was just sort of, 
just the way they carry themselves. You know, they're very respectable to everyone throughout the organization. Yeah. And they never, you never felt like, I mean, I felt it all the time that like, this is Joe Sacking, but like, you never, yeah. you never made, they never made you feel little. They always, yeah. they're very accepting. And I think in terms of the hockey, nobody wanted to win more than those guys. Like they, yeah. especially Peter Forsberg. I mean, that guy, he would just get so mad. Like when he got beat in any sort of drill or like even in a game, like he would, I'm sure you see highlights where somebody will trip him and he'll just, and he, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he'll go over and lay the guy. Like he just was so passionate. I remember, you know, we'd finish a game and we'd lose and, you know, he probably had a couple goals and we'd lose and he'd be so, so angry, you know, like just, yeah. he just was so competitive. And uh, so I think both those guys, they just they wanted it so bad. And I think that just rubs off on anyone. And I, but at the same time, it's just sort of, like I said, when Joe, he's not always sort of a hype man for the whole team. He just sort of yeah. goes about his business. And the minute he says something, it's never like, raise your voice. He just sort of goes, guys, like, let's do yeah. this, let's do that. And everyone just is like, okay, because he'll be the first guy to do it. So it's more of a lead by example. But I think like, when you say you're so humble, I, I don't, I'm just kind of that person that just keeps things a little closer. And, and I got yeah. no... I have no problem with people. I think the game's changed now and there's a little bit more of an entertainment aspect and in, in such that, you know, everyone's got their own brand and they have, everyone's got the social media thing. And I like that too. Like, I think there's guys that do a fantastic job of marketing themselves. And I just wasn't really one of those guys. And yeah. so I try and I err on the side of just, yeah, being humble. And, and I think me getting a chance to do this, it was, there is a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of hard work, but there was a lot of things that fell into place for me that some guys, a lot of, a lot of luck too, you know, it's not, yeah. As much as you hear about this 10,000 hour argument and stuff, it's not, it, there's a lot of things that go into it versus just grinding, grinding, grinding. You got to have some lucky breaks as well. And so I don't, I don't, uh, I always make sure I just remember that I'm just, in, I am in a very lucky situation as well. Well, yeah, I brought up that because I feel it's important because that's the way I felt you were as a leader too, though. You were very, you didn't say a lot, but when you said something, people listened and you led by example on the ice. That's why I always respected you. Because that's why I thought, wow, that must have been a really cool dynamic having those guys, someone like that to kind of be your original mentor, I guess, to, so to speak, right? Yeah. I'd like to circle back, bro, back into like, okay, kind of what you were saying. So everybody talks about how hard it is to make it to the NHL and pro, right? Everyone's like, it's one in a million. But I've noticed now, and you can obviously notice it too, a lot of the people that we thought were going to make it didn't make it when we were young, right? And it's, it's crazy how over the years, it's kind of like the people that just sort of kept, just kept grinding the next step, the next step, all of a sudden made it. You know, what are your thoughts on that sort of outlook at looking at sports and making it pro? Like how challenging was it for you? And how important is it maybe for the, you know, people coming up to understand, yes, it's difficult, but like, what are some of the things they need to, you know, really focus on and not get caught up in? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Honestly, since I've sort of, I've kind of looked back and tried to, because I get a lot of young sports parents asking me and, and the culture's changed now. I mean, hockey's just, it's become a seven day a week type of thing from the ages of like, you know, four or five years old. It's crazy because I have my son, he's, he started playing and and it's just, it's such, it's a whole thing now. It's a whole yeah. like culture, but for me, yeah, like it's, it's tricky because, you know, obviously I had in the back of my mind, like this would be the ultimate dream. Right. Yeah. But I think, like you said, like I played with guys the whole way along. I mean, maybe until like the very end of junior, I played with guys that were better than me. Like, I, you know, I was kind of a middle, 
I like to say top six, but it was never like the best player on the team, maybe until like sort of towards the end of junior. But I just love the game. And I, and for me, I think as much as you have an end goal, my end goal was really um, to go to a great university and, 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 and be able to like go to a great school and play hockey and have that paid for if possible. Um, and then the NHL was kind of like, I mean, obviously lots of icing on the cake, but that was sort of never like it needs to happen. I, I, I was sort of, my mentality was just kind of enjoy the process along the way. Like I think I had ups and downs and, and injuries. And I mean, there was a time in juniors where I nearly, I nearly was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to call it a day with the hockey and I'm going to go to school. <laughs> and, and like literally, um, my second year and yeah I just stuck with it and I think if you look too far ahead then you just you don't really get to enjoy the journey and you get young kids now and it's I totally I, I love the kids are loving the game and that's fantastic but I think it's a long road to to the NHL and there's I think if that's the only goal you put in front of yourself it's a little bit too far in the distance focus on the next year focus on if you want to make a rep team or something then do that and, and like I said for me it was I really wanted to get go to school and play hockey. And, and uh, so I was almost the same year I got drafted was the year I got a commitment to go to Dartmouth College. And, and I'm, I'm being completely honest, I was as excited to know that I get to play four more years of hockey at the age of 20 to 24 as I was about getting drafted because I just knew that like it was super exciting, don't get me wrong, but the chances were just, you're pretty stacked against you, especially being a really late well, yeah, and we're told it's so hard to make, right? Like, I, I, this is the thing. It's the mindset, too, growing up. It's like, oh, it's impossible. And, like, that's all these kids are telling themselves is it's impossible. So if you go out, and the way that the way the coaches coach back then, it was all scare tactics. Yeah. And, like, you're just, your mindset is just messed. Yeah. It's like, and then you re I realize now, looking back in hindsight, I'm like, oh, man, I had it all wrong. Which yeah. is just focus on getting better that day. Totally. And understanding that, look, the long-term goal is obviously pro, but nothing is linear. Everything will zig you and zag you, right? And there's always going to be stuff that's going to pop up, like college or like you don't know who you're going to meet or what kind of opportunities. And that's okay. Being okay with that journey, right? But in NHL is, the, is it or nothing is not the way to go. Yeah, and I think like you know, on the hockey front too. I mean, there's so many opportunities. I've talked to guys that have had gone over and played in Europe and, and had incredible lives. Like there's, I think that I, having lived my dream, got to play in the NHL for um, nine seasons. I'll be the first person to say like, there's other fantastic opportunities in your life. Like don't, don't think because you live for a long time, hopefully. And, and I'm, I'm 35. I mean, I got a whole life ahead of me to do something else. Yeah. Like hockey. When I look at, the trajectory of your life I mean it's the NHL was 10 years and that's like a really good career right like yeah. you know, most guys now I think you're going to see a lot shorter careers because the guys that are over 30 are kind of on the way out but you know it's such a small part of your life I think it's it's more important sometimes to yeah hockey will always be there and that's your passion great but there's a lot of other things along the way that you're going to miss if you're just totally enamored in, in kind of like you know stick handling every day and doing these other things like there's relationships you, you meet with people and um, so I think that's my best advice. Like, I think that you just, you got to have different things going on. It can't just mm. be all, all one, you know, you got to enjoy your life and you gotta you have got, a good balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's total balance. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, it's tricky cause I've done some coaching with my son's kids and, and yeah, you get people that are like, you know, we want him playing pro hockey at 18. And I'm just like, I'm like, it's just way too, you can't tell that to a six year old. Like, yeah. There's just so many steps that need to line up. And also, 
you know, half these kids are going to play seven days a week and at 10 years old, they're going to be like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I don't want to play hockey anymore. Like, yeah, I think it's, it's getting a, it's getting a little bit crazy. And I, and I don't know the answer. And I hate to say like, it's impossible because it's not because it yeah. happens all the time. And now even more guys from Vancouver are making it. And, and it's fantastic to have a dream. And if you love it, chase it for sure. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. There are kids that play hockey that maybe have other talents that who knows that maybe they could be a rock star or maybe they like, there's other yeah. things they can do that they don't, they're just so hockey is just such a big part of our culture that, you know, if you, if you focus on one thing forever, then you might not find your actual outlet. You might yeah. just doing it because it's sort of like, well, everybody's doing it. So here I am, but maybe you don't get an opportunity to, to enjoy to do something else that you, you know, that you can do for your whole life. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get what you mean, man. And that's a good lesson just in life in general. Right. I, what, okay, bro. So I'm really fascinated about this. So how did, with such a big schedule, you guys are traveling, you guys are playing 82 games plus playoffs. How do you stay primed up, man? Like how big was nutrition? How did you stay focused? Like, I mean, that's a lot of games. And even watching when I played junior, just playing the amount we played, that's as high as I got junior A. And that was a lot for me thinking back bus rides. I know you guys fly and everything, but like, how did you stay in the zone, man? Like, how did you stay focused and diet, that kind of thing? Like, what really kept you in line with such a big schedule? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's pretty daunting, but I think I actually kind of approached it a little bit differently. Some people, they're in the zone day and night. Like, it's like the night before, I'm eating this, I'm eating this. Like, I have a game, I need to be in bed by 10.30 for to optimize my sleep. Like, I'm up at 8, like, I have this, people eat the same meal. I kind of approached it like sort of in the early years, I was playing like pretty big minutes. I was playing, you know, 20 minutes a night and stuff. Yeah. And that was a little bit different, but I think towards the end when you're sort of 15 to 20, like I kind of compartmentalized it and just said, okay, I'm on the ice for 15 to 20 minutes. Like that's my work day, you know, yeah. like that's where I got to put in. And so my preparation was like, I had a routine and everything, but when the game was over, like it was like, you know, I'd go on the plane, play some cards, like check out, watch a movie. Like next day, like if we had a pregame, like I would just, I don't know, I would just do things like you, got, you almost have to get out of the monotony I found. Like I think yeah. some people will, will feel differently, but like if I went, you know, if we were in New York City or bought, like some of these big Chicago or something, like I'd go out for a nice dinner with the guys, have a beer or two and totally like decompress, not talk hockey or just talk whatever. And like, I would go out and see the cities we were in. I would like totally unplug and just sort of wander. Like, Cause I'm like, that's the amazing thing about playing pro year. Like you get to see, like I've seen so much of the U S just from, so, you know, we go to DC and I'd check out the white house. Like I would just, I would try and really turn it off. And, uh, and then when they get, we wake up for game day and there's that whole day is pregame skate, pregame meal. Like it's totally structured, but within that, like I would never eat this. I don't know. I would mix things up. Yeah. I think sometimes like, Everybody tells you, like, you need to, your focus, the game starts, whatever, 24 hours before it actually starts. But I was kind of like, you know what? Um, I can, I can, I can flip the switch. I can get in the zone, you know, when, from the time I get to the rink. And like, I did everything, of course, in sort of the same way. But from the time I get to the rink, it's sort of like, I think what helped about that is like, you don't, you very rarely feel 100% when you're playing. So I think if you can get to 80% and function at that, then, then, then everything, you'll never feel tired or not tired you know you'll have the yeah. game where you get up to 100 percent and like you exceed sort of your i don't know if this makes sense but you'll exceed sort of what your normal what you feel like but if you're yeah. always at 100 percent and you have a bad night's sleep or something a lot of guys will get so mentally 
right up that like they're like oh my god like I'm, my legs don't feel good but if you kind of would, would roll with the punches and then if you you know some days you'll feel better than others but it doesn't affect your whole mindset of the game i would kind of right. yeah it's which is probably probably a bad thing to say but like when, it's almost like when you lower your expectations a little bit you know what i'm saying yeah no, i i i know what you're saying bro yeah like i think i think a lot of I learned a lot of it from some of the euro guys that sort of you know they went about their business very differently and just sort of like the game was like a part of their day I actually found that was refreshing because I never got burnt out. I felt like I was enjoying, enjoying my life. And then hockey was like, yeah, you're able to unplug. So it's kind of like the people that just work, work, work all the time and don't value their days off. Yeah. Right. Like you got to value your downtime as well, because that's the time you recharge. It's like, you're not going to go to the gym seven days a week and lift heavy off. You got to balance it out. Right. So that's great. You go into the cities and like being able to unplug, man. I mean, that's, I mean, let's be honest. You're in the NHL. You get treated like freaking gold. Yeah. Some places, you know, like, I mean, you got to enjoy that. You got to be able to be like, all right, I'm going to put my time in and yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to chill out. I'm going to go enjoy this. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I looked at it. I just figured, you know, you never know when it's going to be over and, yeah. and I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, maybe that's why I didn't have a 20 year career. Who knows? <laughs> I think that, I just think that um, life's too short and, and I just found like when the game was over, yeah, like you'd be either happy or pissed off, but you just ride that. You got to be even keeled. You can't get yeah. too high too low. And some guys would get on the, on the plane or the bus and they'd go directly onto their, watch their shifts of the game. And I was just like, really? yeah. And I'd be like, I put that aside. I'd enjoy my sort of three or four hours before bed, hang out. And then the next day, you know what? Yeah. Like you'd always have a team meeting and they rehash all the mistakes and you go through it and you try and learn. But I just tried to, unplug yeah like not not unlike you know you do a nine-to-five job i'm sure lots of people like go home and their stresses from what they went through the conversations the negotiations whatever the arguments they've had in the workplace yeah that, that if you, you got to try and leave that at work and, and come home because especially when you have kids you know there's games where i had terrible games and or i got healthy scratched or things happen but then i come home and like i want to be like a happy dad for my yeah. kids i don't want to bring that burden so I think a important thing for, for me just in the longevity I had was just being able to separate things and, and it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a constant, even in my life now, like whatever I'm doing, I, things kind of sit with you a little bit and it's trying to kind of compartmentalize things. That's, that's helped me a lot. And, uh, but it's, it's difficult to do and I'm still struggling with it, but I try and. For sure. Well, you know, know, well when you're programmed to play a sport for so long, and I, I actually, I want to get back to that one, that point as well. After leaving sports, because you're, yeah, you're programmed to, to play one game for so long. And I was actually talking to Ronnie Turioff about this. You know, he played the Lakers. He played, he won a championship with Miami Heat. Amazing guy. Like we talked about how after basketball ended, how different it was and just adapting to that because you're on your go, go, go. Everywhere you go, it's like, people want your attention people it's just so much and then being you get used to that that system and then all of a sudden you're out of it and it's like a bit of an adjustment you know what has that been like considering because i remember just getting out of junior hockey when i was 20 21 years old and going into the real world and i was like wow this is crazy i'm not used to this you know what was that like what was that transition like well i guess yeah so i guess i'll just tell the story about um calgary to minnesota uh for the trade deadline um, had a great experience in Minnesota. We didn't do like we didn't do very well. We lost in the first round to um, Dallas at the time. It was we were a great team, but I had an okay year. I thought I actually was a. I thought I played a lot better than my stats stats kind of dictated. But I was 31, and 
And so we waited for free agency to come along and nothing really um, transpired. And, and then so me and my wife and kids, we, were, we were, had had a plan. We had a deal to go play over play in Switzerland. And I was pretty excited about that. And, you know, I knew like my career was kind of winding down, but it'd be fun to like go for life experience and do that. And um, like on the, on the last day before training camp, uh, my agent got a call from Anaheim. And they said, you know, there's, we have a couple injuries of guys, of roster guys that we thought would be on the team and we may, they may or not be ready. There might be a spot for you. And I honestly, uh, like I almost started crying because the thought of me going to a training camp without my family, like I was like, I had just already, already turned the page on the NHL almost. And I wanted to go to Europe and have an experience. So my wife's like, are you crazy? Like go down there. They have a good team. Like we could live on the beach and play hockey. Like doesn't get better. Than <laughs> yeah, that. it's pretty dope, man. And so I'm like, I'm like, okay. Like so, I go down there, and honestly, I was miserable. I was, which sounds might sound crazy to a lot of people, that because you know, playing playing pro hockey is fantastic. But I was there for a, a, about a month and a half without my family and kids, and it was funny. I was living in this in this hotel, and it overlooked. Uh, Disneyland, like the happiest place on earth, right? And yeah. so every day, every day at like nine o'clock, the fireworks from Magic Mountain would go off, and I'd see them in my hotel room. And I just, I remember sitting there. <laughs> it was almost like this crazy Lost in Translation Groundhog Day thing that, and I was just like, "This is, I'm, I hate this. Like, I'm not, I'm not into the hockey. I just, wow. I just felt like it was, it was time for me to do something different. And so, yeah, that day. I called my wife and I just said, listen, like, I'm, I'm just, I don't feel like this is what I want to do. And as a result, I was released. Like they, they didn't have a job for me anyway. So made it, made the decision a bit easier. But then I was like, why don't you, I'm like, I don't think I want to go to Europe. Like if I don't like playing hockey down here in Newport beach and living here that I don't know if I'll like it anywhere type of thing. And no doubt. Um, so I was like, why don't you come down here with the kids? We'll do the Disneyland thing. We'll look at the fireworks and we'll, uh, We'll spend two weeks down here and then I think I think we'll call it a day and you're always worried because once you once you kind of retire or take a year off like there's really very few guys can go back like it's yeah. you know especially at my age so I would that's always the fear is like dude man should I have hung on for another year and this and that but um it's a bit of a bit of a morbid thought but I had actually two friends and part of the reason I and I know it shouldn't really be the way you look at it but I had two friends two guys I played with were killed in that locomotive crash um, oh, the Russian man. team. Yeah, and, I remember that. Yeah, and and I thought that that was part of it. I, I mean, it was a total fluke thing, but I just was like, neither of those guys really needed to play hockey, you know. And and uh, yeah. I got young kids at home, and I just sort of life's too short. No matter what job you're doing, like if you're not really enjoying it, it's worth a change. And I mean, it's easier said than done. Like I had a good career, and my my family was in good shape, you know, financially for me to take the next next step. So. For sure. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, it was just kind of the love of it. And um, I was ready to be home with my, my kids. And I think another thing too, like I grew up in Vancouver and, and I, I love it here. I mean, I don't think um, I would never choose to live anywhere else. Um, this is our home. And so I think every time I left to go somewhere, I was leaving stuff behind. I mean, I have a fantastic family. My wife's got her family. I got tons of friends, a great support system. I grew up here like my whole life. So every time I did go away in September and my wife did, like she gave up her, her teaching career and to follow me, but there was always a piece of us that was here in Vancouver. So we were almost, I was almost very excited to get back here and kind of rekindle all those relationships, with all our friends and, and kind of, um, you know, and my son was, uh, what was he five at the time? So just getting him to kind of get his own friend group and get, get into a school and stuff. That was sort of 
a priority that I thought we wanted to do. So yeah, we came back and, and fortunately I've had no regrets about it. I, I miss the locker room, but um, I've been listening to some, like there's some, I don't know if you ever listened to the spit and chicklets. Yeah, podcast, it's awesome. I love listening to those guys and, and that's, that's pretty much the only thing you miss. So they're just watching yeah. all the stories and they have, they have the boys on, like some of the guys I played with. And uh, so like, I, I just listened to that and that's kind of the feel you get. And, and like you said with earlier, um, you run into guys and, I do some charity stuff and some of the Canuck and old pro guys that are out here. And we just, you go into a locker room with those guys and it's all the same, you know, yeah, everyone's <laughs> shooting the, 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 you know, shooting the shit and the, all the stories. And so I think that's ultimately what you miss from what everyone tells me. So yeah, we, we turned the page and now I'm kind of um, just sort of waiting, trying to bide my time and stay at home with the kids as long as I can. And then once they're in school, I'll jump back into the next venture. Would you say like, what would you say was the hardest challenge you faced while playing in the NHL was it being away from your family or is there other things that came up biggest adversity you faced maybe in the beginning of your career or throughout or something that stands out as like wow that was that was challenging for me yeah well I had I had several big injuries in my first like well you did in junior too you broke your leg right yeah I broke my ankle um but then in, yeah I had I went through like four four years of call or three years of college without anything, not like not a thing, you know? And I think maybe, well, college we only play two games a week. So maybe it was just the workload. I didn't take care of my body as much, but I mean, I blew up my knee. I blew up both shoulders, like each in three straight years. So a body of work of like a hundred games in three years. And so that's difficult because you know your ability as a player. And when you get hurt, people think like this guy, like it, they were totally fluke accidents, you know? Um, some guy falls in your leg and it bends the wrong way. like. Yeah. But it happened so many times, like kind of these things. And uh, I was just like, what's going on? And, and people think you're soft, but it's just, that was kind of tough to deal with. And I had a great, I was had a great year. I was like, one of them with my knee, it was, I think I had 10 goals in 16 games to start the season. It was like leading the league. And then this happens and it's just like, it's just devastating, you know, and you go through, you go through like six months of rehab, you're there every day and you're almost working harder than playing, the, having an injury in the NHL is worse than like in terms of like the work, like I'm there from 8 a.m. to like three, like I'm there for a full day doing rehab versus like if you're playing, you're kind of, you go there, you have an hour practice, you do a little workout, you're out, like it's a short day and that kind of weighs on you. And then you're sort of always second guessing like your training that you're doing and some, you know, big adversity. And then I think sometimes um, just dealing with personalities of, of coaches and stuff, I found a little bit trying. I think that was my next question. Like, what talk about coaches? Like, who, yeah. who really, who really was challenging for you, man? And who really pulled that that string? Well, I think, I think personally, and they might argue with this. Like, I felt like I was a guy that you could kind of, you should just like. I, I like to just be left alone. Like, yeah, for sure. No news is good news, and just, <laughs> and just like let me play. And if, but I had some guys like towards the end, and when I was in Calgary, that were like. And they were like this with everyone, but I just felt a lot of micromanaging and, and just like second guessing what you're doing and, and sort of this and that. And um, I was kind of like, I'm, I'm 30 years old. Like I've been playing hockey for a long time. And I mean, not that I don't have more to learn, but it's just when people are critical about just little things that they sh really should have, have no business talking to you about, I, that's kind of get irritating. Um, as I got older, you realize the, the really the amount of politics that plays into some of these, some of these decisions that are made. And, it's tough because you're, you're at the mercy of, of the, the organization and coach. And like, don't get me wrong. Like it's incredible. I, I don't mean yeah. to, like I'm complaining. You, you don't bro. You're just being real, bro. Like there's yeah. always yeah. your, this yeah. was your life and you're just, 
calling it as it is, man. Yeah. And like, don't, you're like compensated of course. for it. But I just think a lot of people don't understand when you're, you know, like you got to, especially when you have kids, I mean, you can get traded tomorrow. Like you could be yeah. low one day and then Florida. And I know that sounds, this is the perspective people like to hear though, bro. Because yeah, like, yeah. And so it's like, not I, always sunshine and rainbows, man. Yeah. And, and so I was really lucky. I played six years in Colorado and then three in Calgary and then just a short couple months in Minnesota but like I know guys that have played on a different team every year you know and you have a family that's the kids are in school and no amount of money makes that easy you know on people that's got to be rough man going from city to city like that like one year contracts yeah well like how does that even you know it's one thing if you're a single guy or like even my wife was fantastic like like I didn't have to really go through that because my kids were so young but yeah um, it it gets it gets and then around the trade down then every year like people are you go on a road trip but you pack two bags if you think you can move I mean it's (laughs) it's you're always sort of looking over your shoulder yeah I mean it's 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 not as it's not as there are things about that world that aren't as glamorous I think as people may may think I mean flying on a private plane is is fantastic but you're still you get in you get in at four in the morning and two hours of sleep and going out and playing the next day i think a lot of people you know it's it trust me it's glamour they see the glamour and they yeah, think yeah and and like again don't get me wrong it's of course flying flying, uh, commer- or flying charter is fantastic in private but <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, you know there's, there's just things that go along that i think a lot of people like you don't just show up and you go to a hockey game and you show up and, and you watch somebody play the game. They don't really see the whole backstory. And I mean, there's car- making it, you just got to make the whole experience as fun as you can and, uh, and, and enjoy it as best you can when you're, when you're kind of going through it. That's why I try to take in for sure the different uh, cities and um, help. Bring- where, where was your favorite place? Cause I remember when we talked back in the day, I remember this clearly, you were like, you loved playing in Calgary cause they were a crazy, it was a crazy place to play against. But this is, this is, this is a lot of people will be interested in this kind of stuff. Cause you don't get to hear this kind of stuff. What was your favorite city to play in? Like as far as a city wise, like you got treated like restaurants and what was your favorite barn that was like, well, not necessarily your favorite, but like the one that was like the most wild from, from your perspective. Yeah. Um, you know what? It would be an easier question to answer if, if it was flipped and you said the worst places to play. Like yeah, the, well, yeah, whatever. The worst. Best, but, but no, the best I would say, I think in terms of the city going and playing at a place like Madison Square Garden, yeah. just to say like, oh my God, like I scored a goal <laughs> in Madison Square Garden or something, you know, like that's, that's pretty iconic. But um, I think if, if I could tell any like, if you go to a Chicago game and go there for the anthem at the Chicago game, it's, it's mind blowing. And the whole crowd chants at the United Center, they all cheer during the anthem. But, and then there's like the Mecca's like Montreal and Toronto. Like those are all Toronto, not so much. Montreal is pretty incredible, but, um, and then Vancouver kind of always held a special place in my heart because my whole family was here. Um, so they're all, they're all different in that way. I think, uh, I mean like the Chicago, New York, those big cities, just something about them just being like, like your your center court, you know this is the main yeah they're they're sports garden yeah they're yeah. legit sports cities over there man like they got passion for their teams yeah and i mean you brought up calgary and calgary was a place like those fans there are so great i mean they're like my first couple of years when i finally like i actually i love playing there because it was loud but i always played terribly there like when i was uh and fans there might say I played terribly when I played for them, but whenever I played against them, uh, I always just had a bad game. It just, that place never really sat with me. Like, I don't know. It just didn't feel comfortable. They're loud and, and red everywhere. See a red. And, uh, but then being on the flip side, the fans were just like, that was probably my best memories was 
playing there against Vancouver in the first round. Um, and yeah. just like coming that, like coming out of the tunnel and just the fans are nuts there and they're, they're great. And, and honestly, like we had a couple bad years prior and, and they weren't like some, some places, you know, they're, they'll just, they'll hold a grudge. Like you go to Toronto and like, they'll just get right on you. Like, in the <laughs> yeah. but, Calgary, but Calgary, like it'd be amazing. Like I had, a, I had a tough year my first year and they'd be like, Jonesy, like, you know what? Like you guys are going to do good next year. Like there was never like booing or anything like that. It was, yeah. they're, they're amazing people there. And they take it really seriously. I hope they can, I think, I think they may be getting a new arena, but it would be nice for them to get kind of a world-class facility. Cause I think those fans, as much as you love the, the dome it's just the saddle just, dome, yeah. there's so many people there they 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 would have the loudest rink in the well considering the oilers too they got their new one yeah well, i want to hear about this me being an oilers fan bro <laughs> i uh what what was what was that battle of alberta like when you're actually going to edmonton to play like what was that like it was it was good like it was funny because they had a team that was it, yeah it, it was like something something else for sure like having that sort of rivalry but um, and you'll hate it. Edmonton was not great when we were, when I was there, honestly, like, it's not the greatest city in the world, man. I know. Well, no, I mean, but I mean, the team, more so the yeah. team at the time, yeah. so it was sort of like, but it was the team that they were kind of running gun hockey. Like it's so much yeah. talent. So you could yeah. go into that rink and you could lose, you could lose six, nothing, or you could win six, nothing. And the game wouldn't be that different. They just would sort of like, were so offensive so it's kind of like, and then McDavid came along and you're just like, this guy's the next. Oh, what was he like to play against, man? He was, uh, oh man, like he just, he came in and like he had a different gear, you know, like that guy picked up the puck and he would like gain speed and it was just, you're just like, he would just, it was incredible to watch him. Like, yeah, watching his, his, his acceleration. I watched him in Vancouver, man. I was like, who is, how does this guy do this, man? Like, yeah. oh yeah, like he, I mean, I think there's a few, like TJ Brody was one of our defensemen. That guy, he can fly. Like he's one of the best skaters. And there was a, not to point, point blame, but, he had a, he had kind of had a misstep and McDavid was like not even moving and McDavid just wheeled <laughs> by him and I'm like Brody's like the fastest guy on our team like this is crazy so yeah and it's and I like on that like not only him but these young guys coming in man it's it's such so great for the league like I think it'll push out a lot of the the guys the older guys because the young guys are just so good now it's incredible like this well and it's it's a different game now too than when yeah. you first started right like when we played. When we played, it was like there was all that clutch and grab, like give him a hook, pull, slow him down. Like there was all those big D men. Yeah. You had a big stick. You could just, you could just guide them out. It yeah. was always like you could use those little tricks or, you know, you hit guys with their head down. Man, how different is it now? Like, so you're, it, it would have changed while you were in the NHL, right? I can't yeah. remember if it would have yeah. been before. Yeah, it would have been, right? Yeah, no, no. Like, I mean, they kind of were cleaning up the clutch and grabbing. But I, I remember, yeah, I remember in college and juniors, like you could go up you know, if you dump the puck in, like you could go up to a D-man and like pull his like the opposite side shoulder and spin him around. <laughs> yeah, man. Like do these like sort of obstructions. And that all went away. But yeah, I remember my first year, like I don't really know if there's, like I was kind of labeled a power forward. Yeah. And I almost, I mean, that, that term is kind of a little bit gone now because mm. all the big guys can handle the puck just as well as anyone else. It's sort yeah. of like McDavid. I don't know what is he, six six one six two or maybe even taller than that and he and like how is he not able to powerful like you know yeah. they have all the skills too so yeah i think like looking at it you know my go-to move was basically just chip the puck by these big slow d-men and try not to get tangled up with them and, you, and i'd be around them on a breakaway but now it's the d the d can move yeah really well now and uh yeah and it's just uh it's a great game and um i'm just happy i, 
a Cayman when I did because I don't know if I would have broken. Uh, I would have to do some things I, to try and break in this right now. Well, even I just think about it, man, just how coaching is now too and how, how you, how, like how, have, did you notice a big change in that, in styles? Because, I mean, you got people that are coaching now that, have to do it differently. These kids are, it's not about scaring them and bag skating them. You know, like what did you notice about that? Yeah. How how does that affect the game? Do you think? I had coaches that would skate and bag skate and stuff. And, and I think as a coach, like I would, I try and take feedback from the players, you know, what are they, what are they feeling? Because these guys, like these guys, young guys operate at such a high level and they see things. I mean, the game's changing and everyone's pulling the rope. And I think, yeah, the, the the scare tactics of like the Iron Mike Keenans and stuff like that. I just don't think they're not going to survive anymore because they tune you out. Yeah, they, they'll tune you out, and the players have a lot of power. And I just think that that mentality. I think these kids are so good now that you throw a couple veterans there. Like you look at Chicago, for instance. I mean, yeah, um, their coach. Like I, th- I think he's what, like thirty mid thirties or something like that. I don't think he even played. I mean, he, he maybe played a hundred NHL games. Like that's got to be a pretty daunting experience for him to come in and poach guys that have won three Stanley cups and play the thousand yeah. games. I, mean, I don't know how he, I couldn't go in that room. How and, does that even happen? Like, how do you yeah, tell yeah. somebody like that? But I think, I think their theory is that sort of that, you know, these guys know how to win. It's just getting, finding somebody like they don't need necessarily need the motivation. I mean, it's just yeah. finding somebody that is sort of the mastermind that can put line combinations, look at some of the, look at sort of some you know not necessarily analytics but just look at sort of how you know how guys play together and that's sort of what you need i don't think you need the sort of raw raw bench a guy for a period i, don't, I mean yeah I, play, I had some coaches that would play the mind games and they'd throw the healthy scratches and just sort of you're walking on eggshells all the time and, and i don't think and that was just terrible for me like and i'm sure for everyone else but some guys deal with it differently and, and that was horrible I, yeah those man i hated that and growing up, I remember just how we were coached. Like I remember growing up in Edmonton and it was just screaming and screaming. And, and now that just wouldn't fly. Like we're just young kids, man. Like, yeah, uh, like it's crazy. I think if you had found a guy on the, you know, a guy that did that coach and you probably get, if you lean on a couple of players too hard, they'd probably be like, you know, this guy's gone or I'm gone. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. But on, on that too, like, I think, what's difficult now too about the coaching is I think that there aren't a lot of guys that kind of are like a lot of the coaching is like, it's like one year contracts, you know? So it's tough to, to build something when like they're, they're on eggshells too, right? Like their, their jobs on the line. And so they're trying to like pull every last, you know, ounce of energy. And like, they're trying to just use everyone to the fullest. And, and, but if they have, you know, like you look at a guy like Mike, Mike Babcock that has like a bit of a longer tenure like maybe that's you can build a rapport with some of the players and I it's difficult it's a difficult world with the salary cap and the amount of money I mean people want to win right now but I think having that having a coach year to year it's it's difficult for them to do a good job too because they just it's results right away you know sort of rebuilding it's like we need to win this year or you're done and it doesn't give the coaches a lot of um wiggle room and and room to breathe and and develop guys properly so stressful and there's that money so much money involved it's such a stressful thing man yeah yeah i i couldn't i don't think i'll ever be in a situation where i don't a team but uh (laughs) i it's yeah it's gotta be 
I mean, it's a business too. And uh, you watch a lot of the stuff with, I watch some of the Leafs and seeing what they're going to do with their contract situations. And it's interesting, man. Like these young guys, uh, granted, they're incredible, but there's like, it's kind of, you get these guys that are making, I don't know, 10 million. And then you got the guys that are entry level. There's like the, the, the kind of in-between contracts are, there's a lot fewer of them. So it'll be interesting sort of how the league changes. Um, I think it'll get better because the, you know, I think there's something to be said for having veterans, but these young guys are so good that, uh, you know, it's only going to make the league better. But yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that, that some of the troubles these teams are running into with uh, having to pay these young guys instead of it being like a bridge deal, like go prove yourself for a year or two. Now it's like, mm. we'll give them like top end money right away with, a, you know, a little bit smaller sample size. So yeah, it's a difficult, it's, it's not easy being a GM either. It's an <laughs> interesting world. Who would you say impacted you the most in your career out of, who, who stands out? Like maybe it'd be a coach, maybe it'd be a player, maybe it's someone you played against. Who, who left the most impact on you? Can you think of anybody or maybe top three? Or um, that's, that's tricky. I mean, I think, I think everybody, uh, I think I try to take a little bit from everyone, honestly. I, I, think, yeah. I think you guys mentioned, like you said, like with Joe Sackick, and I think which was kind of crazy was – with Joe and Peter and, um, you know, Adam foot and some of those guys, like when I got, when I got put into that position in Colorado and then it was funny because I had, had a pretty good, I sort of finished this, my first season, I played in the minors and I came up and did a little bit of a playoff run, but then the next season I, I had a pretty good start and I actually got put on a line with, with Sackick and Forsberg and they were, yeah. and I was a winger. And then, you know, we didn't have a ton of great success, but just, I think when the coach puts you in that situation, it, that kind of dawned on me like, okay, like you're here, like this is your chance. Like they, they're not going to put a guy that sucks with these guys. You know? like, they're gonna, <laughs> yeah. If they're going to be playing first five minutes, like, you know, you have a, you deserve to be here type of thing. And, and maybe they were throwing me a bit of a bone and, and it was sort of a, we needed to get some diversity throughout the lineup in terms of like speed and skill and whatever it was. But uh, I think that when, when a coach does that, like, and you're playing alongside Joe, you just, you learn so much from a guy like that and Peter and, and, um, you know, and I even, I played with Andrew Burnett and he, yeah, just a lot of learning how to be a pro, um, just going about things the right way and, and respecting the game and just, um, respecting everyone with your organization. I think that's like the number one thing in terms of that, in terms of like the hockey, I tried to just watch everybody. Like I said before, like there yeah. were years, you know, um, I probably took some stuff from you, you know, <laughs> juniors, uh, you know, you watch, like you remember guys like Pond and Corks and those guys like I don't yeah. know the way they shot the puck and you just try and ladder yeah, la yeah ladder and can't believe that guy ended up having the career yeah. he did man two so Stanley he, Cups he's a guy uh, that I tell that story to everyone like it's it's amazing how things can change you know and uh, um, oh man I told I remember I tell people I'm like dude I played with that guy and I used, we used to tell him to pick up the sticks and he wouldn't listen yeah yeah <laughs> like he was um, such a yeah, we used to teach, like, we used to give them all the rookie jobs and stuff like that. And, You'd be like, forget it. And then him, yeah. him, him and Monks would get in a fight on the ice Yeah, in oh, practice. I know, it's funny. Yeah, so there's a perfect example. I mean, that guy, he was about, he was, like, probably 10 games away from going and playing in, you know, a, a college team and redshirting a year. And, I mean, who knows? He might have had the same yeah. experience, but I definitely think it was a better experience because he won the Stanley Cup, like, the next year. He could have been in a college, like, not even playing. And so it's yeah, it's, it's, there is some luck involved, but I think really pinpoint one guy. Like I feel like every guy is talented in a different way and, and just watching some stuff they do. And it was hilarious because towards the end, you know, 
I can tell when things are winding down because they've some guys like Johnny Goudreau and Monahan, like they'd be doing these stick handling drills, and I would literally be like, I I, I can't do that. Like, I, can't, <laughs> I can't do that drill. Like I, I it's so I would like, <laughs> and you don't want to try. Like it's embarrassing. I was literally embarrassing to go out there and try and do what they're doing. Yeah, well, that's just next level talent. And, and some of these kids are stick skills. Like I would go, I would go and watch the, where I used to work out, and there's like you know there's 16 year old kids coming up and the stuff they're doing, and I'm like. I just, I, they're like, Jonesy, join the drill or whatever. I'm like, no, no, I'm good, buddy. Like, uh, I've got it. Like, because I, I don't think I could do it. Like, they're just it's that talented, you know. And crazy. so, yeah, it's, it's just, but you always, you just try and pick little, little things up from everybody. And uh, so, but yeah, in terms of how to, how to handle myself, I think there was a lot of great guys in that Colorado team that um, had, had been there and, and had great success. And you sort of, you try and, you just try and mimic them as best you can. Yeah. Man, amazing. And I know what you mean about, about the skills. Like that's why when I go to a, an NHL game, I love to go for the warm up because you can actually, I, I say to people, I'm like, you guys that don't play, you don't know how, how hard it is to do this shit that they do. Like the way they shoot the way and watching that, I appreciate it playing because you know, you, you can really see the skills and sometimes it's like, man, how, how is that even possible? Oh, I know. You know? Yeah. And some of these kids, like, it's like, well, not they're not kids, but you know, like the young guys, like yeah. Pedersen or whatever his name is on Vancouver. Like he's the guy's unbelievable. Some of his shots, man. Yeah, and you ever see? I mean, they're, they're all over YouTube. Like Matthews <laughs> or like like Pedersen had one where he's like flipping the puck and spinning his stick and catching it. I'm, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Look at life, man. Like, yeah, like it's, hockey stick away for a bit. It's nuts, man. Yeah. Tell him be like, try playing 15, 10 years ago, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Someone would just take your head off. They wouldn't even care. That's that's <laughs> that's the way it used to be, man. It was like you have your head down in the trolley tracks and it's getting taken off. Oh, that's yeah. what I was told in juniors. Like that was my role was hit guys with their heads down. Yeah, and well, I remember like you know, two years, like you go to dump a puck in and now it's like they just let you go. But when I started, it was just be like and you'd have these these vets that just were crafty and like they would they could like you dump it and they'd just give you a quick spear, like or they punch, like do a quick jab to your face, and you're just like, look at the ref, and they did, no, they let everything go, and and now, and or like you go in front of the net, and they just would lay on you with a with a cross check, and now it's sort of, it's just a different game. It's probably it's going in the right direction. I, yeah, stuff sort of, you know, that it's it's a skilled game now, but um, yeah, it's it's changed a lot. So I don't know. It's, it's it's fun to watch these guys, though, man. Like I said, I'm just I'm just super impressed uh, at these young guys coming in, and the way that, and the way they handle themselves, like. I remember my first year and I was even older. I was, I think I was 21 or 22. And, um, you know, I felt like a little boy amongst these men. Like I just felt like mentally just was like not on the same level. Mm. And, uh, these guys come in at 17, 18 years old and they're the best player on the team. Like it's, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be tricky. Like I had that the few years of, of college, which I thought, you know, led to a bit more maturity a little bit more learning about like what I what I was like as a man and growing up a bit and so I think I had a little more tools but now these kids are so young that you know that you learn that they, their first bank accounts where they put their first check for how many million dollars like it's pretty crazy or they're yeah. just giving it to their parents it's to crazy them. man like I, I played I won't name names but I played with guys that uh were in the NHL and they had never done like laundry before and unbelievable it, and it's just like I don't know I at least learned that in college. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's hard to wrap your head around some of the money these guys make. Yeah. Like there's some of those funny videos where some of them don't know how to cook. 
Yeah. Like some of them don't like, but I, I get it, man, because growing up in hockey, that's just what you do. And you know, nowadays, especially if you're really good, you don't have the time. You just hire somebody to do this stuff, man. You're so busy, so focused. You get so streamlined into that thing that it's so easy to not learn anything else. Yeah. And I think the the young guys now, like they're doing a, they're doing a great job of like really investing in their future. Like a lot of these young guys now will, they recognize, which is the, first battle they recognize that they can't cook and they, they need help so they'll like they'll hire a, a chef or like a meal prep service and and they'll eat the right way and they'll hire nutritionists and they kind of yeah spend money outside of the team format to just enhance their performance and i think you're seeing a lot of guys sort of go all in with their um you know just their personal development where it's like I would just eat grilled cheese and pizza and try and get, get by yeah. until I, until I learned a bit. The old days of us being on the road and getting subway and pizza. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Some oh of the diet, God. like, but you think about like how much better we would have operated if we actually say you actually had the right nutrition and we weren't eating that crap. Yeah. You know, like if we were taught to eat lasagna 24 hours before, yeah. <laughs> I always wondered why my legs had this lactic acid. I couldn't skate and I never oh. understood. Right. But it circles back to that 80%. We didn't know what a hundred percent felt like. We only, yeah. <laughs> our 80% was a hundred. So we'd have days where like you wouldn't yeah. make salad and you're like, Whoa, look, look what happens. You know, yeah. that seems to be where you can gain the edge. You know, everyone's supplementing with vitamins and, and yeah. sleep doctors and they're kind of in the long term, it's going to pay off. Absolutely. Like, the guys like Nate McKinnon and Sidney Crosby, and it sounds like they have quite a, quite a team, quite a regimen. And, um, well, it's worth it. I think if you're making that kind of money, you might as well invest in that stuff. I mean, you want to perform, right? You want to be a high performance vehicle. It makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, now looking back, I totally, I would, I would totally do that. Yeah. You know, like, and then now with these guys, I feel like that's the edge sometimes that people need to kind of keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably better than having like chicken wings in a, in a, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's changed a lot, uh, but um, I think, you know, it's a representation of media and stuff too. I think that the times of sort of having a bit of anonymity um, are gone. And, and so I think there are a lot of like robots now, and I think there's a lot less personality just because you can't go out to the bar, a bar and have a few beers as easily as, as you used to be able to. Now it's, sort no. of, you know, it's, it's, it's everybody's one, got their phones and yeah, it's one Snapchat or one, one video and you're just like, so yeah. I don't miss the fact that I didn't have to play kind of through that whole thing. And yeah. I think it, it helps guys because it, it helps grow their, grow their persona and their brand. But at the same time, like, you know, <laughs> you're, getting a lot, you're getting a lot, the team building and that sort of realm is, is dying a little bit. And, and uh, a lot of the guys I talk to just say, yeah, it's just not, not really like what it used to be. Like, you know, you'd have the rookie parties and there'd be like, it, you guys would have to pay for the bill and you'd all go out to the bar and have a great time. And there's just, I think there's a lot less of that now maybe. Well, yeah, I'm glad we didn't have phone, have all that in junior hockey. I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad, you know, it's funny because I used to, when I worked um, downtown at, at Earl's there, I'd go to Roxy back in like 08, 09, and I'd always see whoever, whatever hockey team was in town, yeah. you could bet that the whole team was at the Roxy, man. Oh, it was so man. funny. And I heard Mike Keenan used to hire paid people to watch and see which guys came in. For sure. Yeah, there were some tricks. Like, I, <laughs> that, place, that place is a staple. Like, I yeah. Mean, phenomenal nights out there but the idea of going there now just like oh. first of all i don't really stay out past 10 o'clock but yeah like i don't know it just i guess it's just i don't know i don't know if guys still go there i'm sure they do yeah. it was a hell of a good night but yeah i used to it used to be the old one where like 
the curfew check where you'd get a guy to stand in the lobby and like he'd, he'd be like one of these guys that wants autographs right and so you'd sign a stick and so basically the guy would go there at whatever the curfew was midnight or 11 or 10 or whatever it is and he'd stand there and basically whoever signed it after that time would get busted for skipping curfew oh so wow there were some there were some greasy moves by the uh, <laughs> so um that's that's gold man that's but, that, gold. but that's the stuff like that's the stuff that i think is ridiculous because yeah you know if a guy wants to go out and go crazy all night long and shows up to the game and is the best player out there then go out every night like what yeah. like why did i don't understand that micromanagement of, of people like i think i think a lot of these guys you know they're they're, they're grown men people have families yeah. and stuff. you know i think i think you can worry about the product on the ice and less about you know, obviously you represent your organization, you represent your family. And I think guys just need to take that stuff, take care of that stuff on their own. Like, I don't think you need organization and coaches sort of micromanaging like what restaurant you're going to or like this and that, you know, I think that's, I think that's taken a lot away from, um, you know, a lot of way, away from the game or from the player's perspective. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So um, what are you working on now, man? Just got a couple more things. Well, then we'll wrap it up, bro. I yeah. want to respect your time. Um, what do you, what do you work? What's happening nowadays? Yeah. So I'm, uh, yeah, back in Vancouver and my wife, we're building a house that's, um, supposed to be finished, um, relatively soon here, depending on who you ask, but, uh, uh yeah. yeah, we're about, uh, I think we're about a month away and that's been really exciting. That's been a, a big endeavor. Um, I've never done that before. So certainly a learning curve, but, uh, a lot of fun to kind of create something that's going to be, a hopefully our 20, 25 year plan to live here. And, uh, and then I'm the, um, doing some work for um, a firm called Oceanfront Wealth. It's a wealth management firm. Um, it's um, a company that I've used, uh, like a financial advisor and wealth management firm that I've used for all of my stuff since I sort of turned pro. And, and they do a great job of um, kind of just setting yourself up for retirement and, and just kind of looking at your own tendencies in terms of budget and making sure you're not um, – buying a bar with your first paycheck and, and blowing it all. And, and so it's been great. And so I talked to a lot of young players and a lot of guys that I skate with and, and just so just sort of tell them what we've been doing and um, what I've been doing. And I've been, I'm pretty transparent with my portfolio and just show them um, just put them in a good situation. Cause you kind of hear a lot of horror stories about yeah. athletes in general that um, aren't, aren't too savvy with it, with their money and, and kind of run into some trouble. So I think what we do is just sort of paint the picture ahead of time and, and you can go buy your crazy car or whatever you feel like brings joy to your life, but just know how that affects you sort of, you know, when you're 40, 50, 60, um, just know what that value of that money can, can do with growth. And so, yeah, I've been working with them um, sort of part-time, but trying mostly to stay at home with my kids and give my wife a bit of a rest. And uh, I'm not sure. I think uh, I'm enjoying doing that stuff and talking to young players and it keeps me sort of around the game. And, and in addition, just, just kind of coaching my kids and, uh, trying to be a positive uh, role model in their life. Amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah. And we'll get you out. We'll get you out playing hockey too. <laughs> yeah, sure. It'll be, it'll be awesome, man. Playing again. It's always good to connect, man. And I'm really happy to see you, you know, being able to kind of, you, you put your work in, you, you, you know, you worked hard, you, you succeeded and you're still intact. You don't have any like crazy broken legs or bones and you're, you're still there. So it's great to see you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. And yeah, it's uh, thanks for having me on. It's good to uh, good to see you again. So yeah, we'll have to get out and snap it around a little bit, like the good old days. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So one last question before we wrap it up: What is one lesson that you've learned from it over the years? Like, what has going through these challenges taught you, so to speak? 
Yeah, I think, and I, I basically do this every day. I think that if I have any sort of problem or anxiety or any stress in my life or I've made a mistake or whatever, I think sometimes a lot of us just need to take a step back from everything and kind of look at the big picture and, and especially those that live in a free country, you know, like really look at the big picture, look at some of the stuff around the world. It sounds kind of cheesy, but like so many of us are so lucky to have what we have, whether it could be your worst day ever. Like, I mean, there's wars going on. There's, yeah. and I, not to over make it over dramatic, but like, I think something's going wrong. I kind of sit back and go like, just take a deep breath and just look how lucky you are to have my kids are fantastic kids are healthy. I'm just like so blessed in many ways. And, and for me to really, feel any sort of anxiety or stress is just sometimes it's, you know, it's a necessary evil, but it's, it's silly because like, there's so much that good around. And I think, you know, I think that's what, that would be my suggestion is just like, there's always going to be peaks and valleys, but more situations you can be in. And if you can remember that it's, it's easy. <laughs> I love it, man. Always practice gratitude. You know, that, I love that because that's, I, I've started doing that man the last couple of years and just being super grateful for everything and the process and the growth and man, things open up for you, man. Things just, I love that because so many people get caught up in what's not going right in the moment instead of like what, go, what is going right. It's like a good training exercise. I mean, I talk, I, I talk to people that my wife, she's pretty, she, she runs like her nickname is the hummingbird because she kind of buzzes around. She's very social. She runs on a high frequency and, and she sometimes she'll get super angry. And, and like, I'm not saying don't get angry about things because it's good to, have emotion about things you care about but i like if, you know if you're in traffic and someone cuts you off it's a good sometimes like taking a deep breath and, and using that as like a tool to to be like okay like let, yeah. let go type of thing you know I, I think that in a lot of cases like the conflict doesn't doesn't really serve serve you in a good way a lot of the time and, I, and so that's i try and approach life that way and um just smile and try and be happy about <laughs> and when your, kids are, when your kids are waking you up at uh all hours of the night. Sometimes it's not the easiest, but like I said, there's a lot of worse situations to be in. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well said. Where, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, like, but I don't, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. bad. I don't really use it too often. Well, that's fine, man. You're a private guy, uh, man. But um, yeah, I'm pretty private. I think mostly it's just sort of word of mouth. The firm's called Oceanfront Wealth Management. Cool. Um, and yeah, I'm not really on their letterhead or anything like that. So I, ba I basically kind of doing the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Maybe if it becomes a bigger thing, we can all get the business cards going. And, and <laughs> such a modest guy, man. I, I love it. <laughs> so humble. I like the fire of the radar. I don't like to. Be I know you do. You're, you haven't changed, bro. You're the exact same as we were. When we were freaking 19, or when I was 19, you would have been oh, what 17 or 18. I got some shorter hair now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was such a pleasure, bro. I, I loved, you know, diving in and, you know, hearing all that, all, all the stuff in your journey. So thanks very much, bro. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what, uh, what comes out of your next level of your journey. Cheers, buddy. Well, it's great seeing you again and uh, all too, the best the podcast. Thanks. David Jones, everybody. Later. I hope you guys got value out of that. I love that conversation. I always, it's always great for me to connect with the old hockey boys and uh, see where they're at. I love connecting with athletes. So if any of you guys listening have some athletes or people who have, who have a great story that you feel would inspire other people, send them my way. This is, uh, this is all about spreading the love and getting inspired and inspiring as many people as we can. So share this with your friends. If you feel somebody would be interested in an episode, somebody in sports, somebody who's not, 
text a friend, whatever you need to do to spread this. Just take two seconds to text a friend. Have you heard University of Adversity before? Subscribe, review, whatever it takes. I truly appreciate it. I know that's annoying to hear over and over again, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> if you guys, I, I truly appreciate you for coming and taking a listen to this podcast and I hope you liked it. And you guys are like family and I truly, truly appreciate you and love all you, every single one of you listeners who come every three times a week and listen. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I hope you guys have a great day. We'll catch you next time.